And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Uh, Man, a lot to get to. A ton to get to today, Um, as always, of course. I was joined by my friend, J.J. Leahy. You know him. You love him. He's on Twitter at MildModerate. We discussed uh, the 2020 Democratic primaries. We discussed anti-Semitism. We talked... Uh, We covered a lot, but uh, yeah, before I get to JJ, I need to remind you guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or SoundCloud. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. All right, without further ado, I'll just jump right into it. Here is my chat with JJ Leahy. All right, guys, I'm here with my good friend, J.J. Leahy. J.J., thanks so much for taking the time, my brother. What up, Brady? Thanks for having me on again. Anytime. So we have uh, a lot. We have a lot to get to today, as always. Um, But before we get into the news of the day, uh, as a Steelers fan myself, I'm a little bit relieved that finally, after weeks of speculation, Antonio Brown has been traded to the Oakland Raiders for a third and fifth round pick in next month's NFL draft. Um, I'm a little bit excited that that we can kind of put this behind us and move on. AB going to the Raiders. Your thoughts? I'm excited because I don't like the Raiders, AB, or the Steelers. So this is great news for me. <laughs> Everybody loses. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, look, I I'm okay with the Steelers' position in all of this. I mean, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a legit number one receiver. We still have Big Ben, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, Mike Tomlin, Hall of Fame coach. We have a lot of other pieces. And, look, A.B., he's, he, I don't know if you saw the interview with Larry Fitzgerald, who's a, he's one of my favorite players, the uh, Cardinals uh, wide receiver, future Hall of Famer. He was like, look, I like A.B. He's going to really regret uh, leaving Pittsburgh when he realizes it's not Big Ben throwing him the football anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think A.B. is going to enjoy Derek Carr very much over there in Oakland. <laughs> Playing with Derek Carr's balls is definitely going to be a lot different than playing with Ben Roethlisberger's. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're a Packers fan. Uh, were you hoping that uh, AB would have gone to Green Bay or no? Heck no. I I would riot if that happened. Um, I don't want AB anywhere near any teams that I even moderately like. <laughs> I'd rather play against him than uh, have to deal with him in the locker room of a team I care about. I agree, and it's kind of sad because, look, as a Steelers fan, I love me some Antonio Brown. I've been rooting for him for nine years. He's one of the best to ever do it. He could retire right now, and he'd be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. He's the first receiver in NFL history to have six straight seasons of 100 catches and 1,000 yards. Not even Jerry Rice did that. So, I mean, you know, he's an elite, elite talent, but... Yeah, yeah, you you can't argue with his skills, but he's, he's a diva, you know, and he causes more problems than he's worth. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. 
And now uh, your boy uh, Jordy Nelson has to deal with him over there in Oakland. So I know this. This is the one uh, real negative here is that Jordy Nelson is already you know majorly downgraded by going out to Oakland. Not that he had a choice in that. Um, but now you've got this legendary wide receiver coming out to start uh, taking your job away from you. I feel bad for him. I really do. Um, it, it, uh, I've always really loved Jordy, and uh, I've, I've hated seeing him in uh, black, black and silver, um, you know, recently. See, I was hoping they would give us, you know, like a third-round pick and Jordy for AB. That would have been better for me. But uh, Honestly, I'd, I'd rather see him in Pittsburgh than in Oakland. Yeah. I mean, Oakland, that's like sending somebody to the Night's Watch uh, for all of you uh, Game of Thrones fans out there. All right. So uh, enough from my, wait, by, by the way, by the way, I posted a poll on Twitter today. You know, who's going to have a better season, Juju Smith-Schuster or Antonio Brown? The w- wide consensus is Juju, obviously. I, I'm going to have a lot of fun watching uh, Juju Smith-Schuster put up, you know, 120 catches and 1,500 yards and then A.B. catch, you know. 80 for 900 from from Derek Carr. I, I, I don't know, man. I really think the Steelers are going to get the last laugh. I know it's they didn't get much compensation for him, but, hey, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. You had to get that guy out of the locker room. I think Juju's going to be a superstar, man. Well, you know, I, uh, one other thing to throw out here is that Antonio Brown is now the highest paid receiver in the entire league. I don't think in league history, but certainly currently the yes, highest yeah, paid both, both. receiver league in the league after yeah. going out there. Le- league history and current, yes, both. So that 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 shouldn't be ignored here because uh, we have some history here. And he's 31, which receivers, you know, hey, man, you don't see a lot of uh, Pro Bowl receivers in their 30s, unfortunately. So All you, all you uh, old guys out there, there uh take some take some encouragement from this <laughs> i'm glad i'm in uh multiple industries that i can work until my balls are dragging on the ground behind me <laughs> it, is, it is really it's really tough that uh wide receivers in the nfl are kind of done by 33 that it's uh it's just don't e- ever just don't ever injure your vocal cords or you will be in trouble i would be yeah i i'm a i'm a wordsmith JJ, <laughs> I use <laughs> words are my living. So yeah, hopefully my uh, vocal cords stay intact. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some politics. Let's check in with uh, with the 2020 presidential election, as you you love to do, JJ. It's kind of your specialty. You're all about the polls. I, you're all about projections, stuff like that. I do love it. You do love it, and you're good at it. So let's talk oh, about thanks. the Democrat. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. <laughs> so let's so, talk about let's talk about 2020. Okay. It was well, a surprising week. Sherrod Brown, my execrable senator from Ohio, said he's not running for president, which actually surprised me. Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York and, and, and media billionaire, said he's not running. And Hillary Clinton, the 2016 standard bearer for the Democratic Party, said she's not running either. It, we've been, you know, on a week-to-week basis, I, I keep having to talk about all the Democrats that are jumping into the race. This week, a bunch of Democrats said they're not running, and I'm almost a little bit surprised. Well, and, and you can also add uh, Bloomberg to that list, too. Yeah, I just said Bloomberg, but hey, man. You know. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you know, you and I were kicking around before the show. Um, so the, the, the top seven candidates are, are the only candidates who are polling at 3% or higher. Everybody else is at 1% or 0%. And uh, the top two candidates, Biden and Sanders, which Biden hasn't even declared yet, um, they make up 52 percent of the of the um, 
of the poll share right now. And it quickly drops off from Sanders at 25 to 9% for Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, the, the, the weird thing that you and I were noticing before we started recording is out of the top five Democratic candidates, uh, three of them, uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and um, uh, Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke. Uh, actually, he's he is five. Okay, I was um, trying to see if he was a five or six. He is a five. White guys, and then you've also got Elizabeth Warren is an ancient white woman. So out of you know out of the Democrats, you know, super diverse crowd supposedly, only one of their top five candidates is um, a non-white woman. Uh, and, and the, the more than 50% of the, of the, um, support right now is going to two, uh, (laughs) really old and kind of senile white men, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Right. I mean, that is fascinating. There's a lot. I, I don't, I don't know where to start. I want to dive into a lot of these numbers. Uh, but is it, that is interesting. I mean, the party of intersectionality. Uh, is favoring in, two extremely... in 2019. That's shocking from Democrats. It really is, and and both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, the two front runners for the Democratic nomination, are both five years older than President Trump. And President Trump was elected at age 70. Uh, I believe he's 72 or 73 now, uh, and he was the oldest elected president at 70. And in uh, in 2020, both Biden and Bernie Sanders will be 79. So if, if one of them yeah. were elected, they'd be the oldest United States president to be elected by nine years. I mean, well, that, is, that is really it, – it's it's astounding. Well, okay. So, yeah. So so Trump is 72. And uh, four years ago when Bernie was running, we're all asking, is this guy too old to run? I mean, if, if we actually elect him, is he going to be able to finish out his term? Now he's four years old older and still competing for this hugely stressful job that i mean <laughs> you, you look at uh obama you know when he was running in, in 08 versus um you know in, in 2016 the guy aged 30 years in in eight years um i i i just it's it's crazy the state of the democratic party right now because it doesn't follow any of the things that they say they are. They say that they're young, that they're diverse, that they are female. And we have these two skeletons of these old, white, rich guys are, are, are taking up 52% of the vote share. And, and it, like I said, it drops off. The, the, third, the third spot goes to Elizabeth Warren at 9%. She's not even breaking double digits. Yeah, it is. It is really strange, man. And like, I was a little. I, I felt a little bit about. I I I questioned Trump whether he was too old being elected at seventy. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, okay, you serve two terms. If he's elected to a second term, you're seventy eight when you leave office. That's pretty old. Bernie Sanders and and Joe Biden are both five years older than Trump, and they both look, especially Bernie Sanders, but also Biden. They look like they're Bernie, 15, 20 years older than Trump. I mean, Bernie Sanders looks like he's a thousand years old. Bernie I mean, he, Sanders is seventy-seven. Over. He looks like he's ninety-seven. Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, he legitimately does. 
87 for sure, but but I I would believe 97. He he does not look like a 77 year old man. He looks a lot older than that. It is also fascinating. Well, all right, a couple things to break down. It, uh, setting aside Joe Biden, who hasn't technically announced yet, but he has opened field oh, offices. He, he's opened offices in Iowa, New Hampshire, and North Carolina. He's running. He's staffed those offices. It's just a matter of time. But let's set aside him and, and Bernie Sanders for a second. One, how how weird is it to you that Elizabeth Warren is polling third? Because, I, I mean, she with the whole faking being a Native American thing and just generally being the least likable person on the face of the earth and— also not having any good ideas to put forward. I mean, wouldn't you think that, like, Kamala Harris or Cory Booker or Tulsi Gabbard or Amy Klobuchar, any like, shouldn't any of these people be pulling ahead of Elizabeth Warren? It, it's shocking that she's still hanging in there at around 9% of the vote. Kamala Harris, I would believe. Um, n- not really anybody else, because what Warren has going for her is she has been... Uh, really setting herself up well to be perceived as, you know, this total fierce warrior to the Democrats who is going on, going out there and taking on Trump and leading the pack. She's done a really good job staying on message uh, with that, which uh, the, the others, especially somebody like Cory Booker, have not done a good job with. Um, at least Elizabeth Warren has come across as you know yeah she's slimy but she's uh you know she's like a tough as nails version of slimy so i I think that's why she's getting the attention she's also i i think you know she's kind of subscribing to the uh donald trump philosophy that doesn't matter what they're saying about you what matters is that they are saying things about you at all people aren't talking about amy klobuchar they're not talking about kamal harris they're not talking about cory booker Elizabeth Warren is the one who's been managing to stay in the headlines. I guess. I mean, I get that. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. But if these are all self-owns, though, I mean, these are these are own goals. I mean, she's doing this to herself. So it's a little bit different than, say, a Trump thing with the, the grab grab him by the pussy, you know, like a like a scandal, like a tape that breaks and gets leaked or, or whatever. Something like that. That's like a, a scandal that keeps you in the news. But when it's like you claiming to be an Indian and you're clearly not, and then you lied about it, and then like the Native American tribes call you out on it, and it's all like yeah, it's, but... it's a little bit different. Like it, it, it's just it's very surprising. I, honestly, I thought that Kamala Harris would be a lot more formidable. And obviously, look, we are way early in the game. Obviously, super early. I mean, yeah. at, at this point, four four years ago. Ted Cruz, their first candidate, hadn't even announced yet. Right. He, Ted Cruz announced on March. It is uh, Today is March 10th. We're recording this on Sunday night. Um, it's March 10th. Ted Cruz announced on March 30th, 2015. So at this point, he was the first Republican to announce. So at this point in 2015. And we thought that no was the ca- longest, worst primary ever. Yeah. And we, I thought Ted Cruz was crazy for announcing that early. I was like, dude, you're jumping the gun. Like, you're going to miss—the news cycle's going to miss you. And he did well. Ted Cruz ran— Elizabeth Warren could—she could barely wait for 2019 to start. She almost announced in 2018. She won. No, she did. so bad. No, she did. It was like the 27th. Yeah, it was like the 27th, 28th of December, something (laughs) like that. Yeah, it was was in 2018, yeah. Yeah. We're we're living in such a parody these days. We are. So, all right. 
on the Democratic field, looking at recent history, uh, looking back to 2008 uh, with with uh, when uh, uh, what, what's his name who knocked up his mistress and paid her off. Oh, uh, uh, Edwards, John Edwards. Edwards. John Edwards was the was the front runner for the Democratic nomination, and Hillary Hillary Clinton was a close second. Barack Obama was a freshman senator from Illinois that nobody knew anything about. He ended up winning. Uh, obviously, Trump was, was an outsider candidate, a long shot candidate. Ted Cruz, who came in second in the Republican primary, was a Tea Party guy. He was a bomb thrower, you know, a, a small government guy, an outsider. He wasn't an establishment Republican. The, the, you know, Edwards was the front runner in, in 2008 for the Democrats. I don't know, either Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or somebody like that were the front runners for the Republicans in 2016. Right. I have to think that a dark horse will emerge and maybe not win, but at least make some waves. Who is that dark horse for you, uh, for the Democrats? I'll tell you who it should be. It won't, but it should be Hickenlooper. Um, if the oh, Democrats, I agree. I, I, I agree that, sh- I mean, Hickenlooper would kill Trump. He would truck. He Trump would. He in a general yes, election. Yes. But he, I mean, he'll get, he'll be out before Iowa, if not the day after Iowa. So no, so sorry to cut you yeah. off, JJ, but he doesn't count because he has no chance. Who could actually take right. the Democratic nomination? We're not not, not talking the general, just yeah. just in the in the primary process. Well, you know, maybe that uh, Indiana mayor, um, Pete. Uh, I don't even know how you say his last name. Buttigieg. B- yeah, uh, Buttigieg or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe him. Um, I, you know, this is the hard thing about trying to to you know pick someone who's unexpected is we've got this crazy long list of names of so far really unimpressive people. Um, I, I, I think Tulsi Gabbard, you know, probably would be the one I'd put my money on, um, if I had to, um, I, I think that she has, um, you know, she's got a little more chutzpah than anybody else, uh, who's, who's running. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's 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 not an impressive field. It's a big field. Yeah, right. With not a lot of talent. Right. No, I agree. And I people are comparing it to the the 2016 Republican field, but there was a lot of talent in that field, man. There there was a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean Marco Rubio and um Chris Christie, you know, were both names that people were really kind of in, in awe of at the beginning, which is really interesting kind of where Chris Christie ended up. Because he, right. you know, he just was really respected, uh, you know, before the 2015 uh, um, primaries. Uh, Jeb Bush, you know, ended up we, we got nothing out of him. Um, there, but 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 there really was a um, a, a lot more talent and and much bigger names, um, you know, in in 2015. And it's just weird looking this year. There's such a long, long list. And just nobody stand out. I mean, the, and, and the proof right here, the proof, Joe Biden, 27 percent uh, first place, hasn't even actually announced that he's running yet. And he's still, you know, sweeping the entire table with everybody else. And he hasn't even announced yet. And he'll get a he'll get an announcement bump of, you know, five to eight points, probably. He'll, least, he'll be he'll be up. In, yeah, he'll be up maybe in 10, the, maybe 10. Yeah. I mean, he could he could be up in the high 30s, everybody else down, you know, under 20 percent, even Bernie Sanders. So yeah, that that's absolutely. True. I think. 
And you're totally so, right with 2016 with Chris Christie. People forget, you know, that Chris Christie was like a superstar Republican governor of a blue state. John Kasich, like people, I mean, he's absolutely lost his damn mind now. But he was well, a very popular yeah. two-term governor of Ohio. You know, you had Scott Walker, I, I a very was a, popular two-term once once upon a time. Yeah, so so was I, and 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 you had Scott Walker, a popular oh, two-term yeah. governor of, of Wisconsin. You had Lindsey Graham, which was kind of the more established Bobby Jindal, kind of, Bobby Jindal, who was a tremendous governor of Louisiana. You had Carly Fiorina, the first female mm-hmm. tech executive. You had Ted Cruz, a Tea Party constitutional conservative senator. You know, you had there a were, lot of talent in that in that race. There, there were only a couple of names at that time that were not really impressive. You had um, Rick Santorum was already kind of a laughing stock because of how his um, 2012 uh, right. campaign fizzled out. Well, and, and he lost his Senate seat too, which you know, losing yeah. you know losing right. statewide For, in a former state. senator. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah, he didn't retire from the Senate. He did lose, so that took a lot of his luster. But yeah, and you're right. George you're... Pataki was the only other name that people really didn't care about. Um, you, you know what blows a lot of people's minds, uh, including mine, is I always forget that Rick Perry ran in 2015. I totally forget that he even ran. Right, because he polled really, really well in 2012. Yes, he, uh, he gave yep. uh, he gave Mitt Romney a, a, a run for his money um as a you know whatever he was a three-term governor of texas rick perry um yeah yeah and, and yeah it just didn't translate into in, the next year you you see that a lot you know you see you know like ron paul ran in in 08 and 012 right. and in 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 2012 he, he didn't have the same kind of shine and uh you know bernie sanders might be the same and i i, I kind of think other candidates it's starting to look like that right because one the democrats really hate white people they really hate straight people and they really hate old people, and he's old, white, and straight. So I, I, I and don't, rich. And and oh yeah, and he's very rich, and they don't like rich people either. So he's really checking off all the wrong boxes to win Democratic primaries. And then if, you know, if if Biden runs, then you have another old, straight, rich, white guy who's more intelligent and more likable. So you know, and I, and, and both of them are you know to at least some degree religious too, and that that's also not going to fly well with Democrats. And he, you know, you you and I were disagreeing a little bit about um, you know how seriously Bernie takes his, but but Biden at least is a practicing Christian. Right, right, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, any other dark horses? You said Gabbard. Um, I look, maybe we can just transition to the next point I wanted to make here. I, I was actually surprised that my horrible, horrible senator, your former horrible senator, uh, <laughs> here in Ohio, Jared Brown, is not running. Because he's a guy who actually probably could give Trump a run for his money. I don't think he would beat Trump, but he would be a formidable foe. Uh, and and he just he won re-election last year in 2018 uh, in in a red state in an increasingly more and more red state of Ohio. But he he decided he's not going to run, and he's kind of like the the Democrats' version of Trump. Like he is kind of a populist. He is he's not. A fan of of uh, free trade, same as Trump. You know, he he's definitely all about the tariffs and the protectionism and stuff like that, which is basically the one thing I disagree with Trump on, obviously. But you know, he's he's a union guy, he's an Ohio guy, he's got the raspy voice, he knows how to talk to you know blue collar Americans, blah blah blah. Were you surprised that that uh, that Senator Brown didn't run? I was a little surprised just because everybody else is running. Um, what, what 
didn't really surprise me is that um, Senator Brown is actually um, he's a moderately smart guy um, in that I, I think he can read the situation and know um, you know with a little bit uh, keener eye whether he has a chance of running or whether this is a waste of money. I, I think that's ultimately you know why he decided not to run was that he he probably would be polling right around uh, where John Hickenlooper is. Um, you know uh, he he's got a very similar um, general election um, appeal, uh, but but he wouldn't do well in the primaries. I don't think. Right, which is which is, it, it's basically the fact that he's an old white man because he votes yeah. with Bernie Sanders in the Senate something like seventy or ninety seven percent of the time, rather. You know, he he is essentially a socialist. He's he's a far left radical. Um, he, you know, just because he's a white guy from Ohio doesn't mean he's he's a moderate. He's anything but a moderate. But, <laughs> you know, the reason why I think Sherrod Brown isn't running, and uh, I I believe this was in Politico. Um, that, that broke the story that the DNC is is basically not going to focus as much on Ohio in 2020 as they usually do. And usually both parties focus on Ohio <laughs> intensely. I mean, they Ohio since uh, and we, we were texting back and forth on this since 1960. Ohio has been Ohio is called the bellwether state. We, we, you know, so goes Ohio. So goes the country. Since 1960, that's been true. The last time a president has been elected without winning Ohio was JFK. Richard Nixon in 1961, Ohio. JFK won uh, the presidency, obviously. Um, and basically, the DNC is, is alluding to the fact that they're giving up on Ohio. Ohio is one of the states that is moving to the to the right faster than, than most other states. You see states like Texas that are kind of you know drifting towards the middle. And you see states like Ohio that are actually becoming further right, you know, deeper red. Which I mean, I'm I'm an Ohioan, so that I'm very happy about that. Um, but <laughs> I, I get the feeling that uh, Sherrod Brown figured he can't win his own home state. If you're a senator running for president, you can't win your home state. You can't run, right? Like tr- Trump won Ohio by nine points, and to put that into perspective, George Bush won Ohio twice by under two points. Obama won Ohio in a uh, uh, against John McCain by by two points, and then won against Mitt Romney in 2012 by about a half a point. I mean, it came right down to the wire. Trump won Ohio by nine points. Our new governor, Mike DeWine, beat Richard Cordray for the uh, governorship last year by four points in a wave year for the Democrats. You know, in in a a brutal year for Republicans, and DeWine still won against a very, very popular candidate, that Obama was in Ohio campaigning for, who was also 25 years younger than than DeWine. So against all odds, DeWine still won. So I I think, I mean, if I were in the DNC, I I think that would be wise to not pour a bunch of money into Ohio. But that's probably why Sherrod Brown isn't running, in my opinion. I I guess I have to agree with you. I think that's a good good take. Um, That probably really did factor into why Sherrod's not running. Um, Because, you know, it was... um, in, in, in 2015, when Marco Rubio lost his home state of, home state of Florida, that's when he dropped out. Right. Um, and, and that, you know, he was all talk. If, if he had won no states at all besides Florida, uh, I, I think he would, would have still stayed in. But you can't, you know, if you can't win at home, uh, you're going to you're going to lose um, people's confidence everywhere else. What do you think about Ohio? No longer being the bellwether state, 
Because I think that is I I it, anything can happen, man. It, it's a long you know we're we're almost two years from the twenty twenty election. You know, a year and whatever nine months, ten months, something like that. Yeah. I, I think Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, like these states are going to be the bellwethers moving forward. I, you know, if Ohio does turn solid red, which I hope it does. That, that also scares me a little bit, too, because the Democrats took your home state of Michigan for granted in 2016, didn't really put mm-hmm. a lot of money there, and Trump won it. They're going to they're gonna dump money into Michigan, man. They're, they're Michi- going to dump money into Michigan this time around. I, I will say, whenever they actually put some effort into it, Michigan is an easy state for Democrats to win. Um, I... I, I think that Ohio is worth watching to see if it really is turning red. Um, I, I think uh, I think we'd have to have at least two more, um, you know, elections with this trend of you know this pretty conservative vote uh, for me to really take Ohio out of the purple column and put it in the red column. Um, but it's it's worth watching for sure. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I I definitely agree with that. I, I, at this point, I would have to put Wisconsin into like the the blue category. I, I, I it would be yeah. very surprising if a Republican if Trump wins uh, Wisconsin again. Um, but there's then again, there's states like Virginia, who has a racist blackface governor, who's a Democrat. And a <laughs> lieutenant governor who, like, raped somebody or whatever who's a Democrat. And then an attorney general who wore blackface as well. Stuff like, stuff like that. I feel like the Republicans could, uh, you know, quote-unquote pounce. <laughs> Hashtag Republicans pounce. Republicans pounce. On something like that. And, and New Hampshire. Trump only lost New Hampshire by a half a point, which is astounding. That's a state that hasn't gone uh, red since, I believe, the 2000 election. And uh, That sounds right. You know, so... I don't know. Maine I, I, is another state. Yeah, Maine, Maine is not uh, a winner-take-all state. Um, right. I, I think that uh, I think Trump potentially could be really competitive in Maine this time around. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You could look at a state like Nevada, also. You know that uh, Nevada is solidly purple. That's that's definitely a state that's up in the air, um, and. Uh, another state, you know, you already mentioned it, but Texas is, it's pink now. It's not a red state. It's a pink state. Um, and it's definitely one to, to keep our eyes on. Um, partly, partly has to do with, um, you know, the, the large number of people who are moving into Texas, uh, especially into, you know, some of the bigger cities, but it's, I mean, that, that would be a pretty devastating loss for conservatives. Uh, uh, you lose Texas, you know that's that's a really big chunk of electoral votes. Right. I, I don't think the GOP could recover from that. I really don't, don't think so. Right. I don't think we're we're necessarily close to that happening. Um, obviously, Beto O'Rourke ran really close with uh, Ted Cruz in that senatorial election, which was was unnerving. But Cruz is a flawed candidate. You know, he handled 2016 in the worst possible way from a couple different angles. You know, refusing to endorse Trump at the at the convention in Cleveland, and then after getting backlash, just endorsing Trump later. So he pissed off everyone. <laughs> you know, you, you pissed yeah. off the Trump crowd, pissed off the anti-Trump crowd. It was just a, a just Ted a Cruz period. has a 
he's got a habit of ticking everybody off. Doesn't matter where you're from, what color you are, he's gonna tick you off eventually. Right. He's got that face that you just want to punch. He did grow a beard though. He he grew a beard, which makes I mean yeah. know, makes him infinitely more uh, likable. So well, yeah, definitely. Well, keep I, I thing found. Out. I found after I grew a beard and I was covering more of my ugly mug so people couldn't see it that people, you know, seemed to like me more too. Yeah, I mean we're both beard enthusiasts, so uh, <laughs> we might be a little biased here. But all right, so let's move on to uh, you know the the news of basically all of last week and and this weekend. Ugh. Yeah, we have to. <clears throat> we we do unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, um, Ilhan Omar, the uh, the radical Muslim socialist anti-Semitic Congresswoman from Minnesota's 5th District, keeps getting away with her anti-Semitism. It, it is really uh, astounding. Her, her latest claim, and we covered it on the last show, but we'll bring it up again here today. Uh, her, she, she's had to apologize a couple times for anti-Jewish rhetoric. And then last week she came out and said uh, Jews have dual loyalty to the state of Israel, which is why they support Israel, uh, which is straight out of the, the Hitler playbook. That is straight out of the Nazi playbook. Um I mean, that, that, that's been a, an anti-Semitic um, tactic for a long time. Hundred, hundreds of years. Yeah. H- hundreds of years. And the House of Representatives passed a uh, an absolute bullshit resolution. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of the House or the Senate passing resolutions at all. Like, bruh, like you write the law. Like, just make laws. You know what I mean? They don't do anything, yeah. Like why 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 you like de- like you you're literally like glorified lawyers like you write the law, stop dealing with feelings like we, I can deal with my own feelings I don't need, I don't need that from you guys but anyway so they they passed this this bullshit resolution condemning essentially everything that's bad, uh basically to give Ilian Omar cover for her anti-Semitism they didn't really call out anti-Semitism, um they they said you know we condemn all Islamophobia and and, and prejudice against Pacific Islanders and prejudice against Jews were seventh on the list. I think <laughs> Jews were seventh on the list and they refused to call uh, Omar out by name, obviously, and to and to make anti-Semitism a, a highlight of this resolution. Look, the Democratic Party is in shambles right now. And obviously, the leaders of the Democratic Party, like Chuck Schumer, a Jew himself, Chuck Schumer is a, a the the minority leader of the Senate, senator from New York, is a practicing Jew. And and other leaders of the party like Nancy Pelosi, there's no way these people are happy with the communist anti-Semitic freshman congressmen and women in the, in their caucus. There's there's no way they're happy with this anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, anti-American, anti-capitalist fringe nut job fraction of their party that is taking over their party. There's no way they're happy with this. But they're too damn scared to stand up to these people. They can't do it. They're terrified of the blowback of standing up to these fucking idiots. Well, where, where do where do they go? Where, like Before we get into the ramifications, just politically, where does Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi go from here? Well, they, they retire pretty soon. I, I think that that's what, what it comes down to. Um, this has always been the problem that the Democrats, you know, the, the, this is the grave that the Democratic uh, politicians were digging themselves into is, you know, their their rhetoric, their strategies and tactics have always been pushing for uh, the, the voters, the, especially the younger voters, 
to become more extreme. You know, and this is how you get Bernie Sanders. This is how you get Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And eventually, it starts to make, uh, you know, Pelosi and Schumer look like moderates because they have um, they have caused their, uh, their voter base to bring in all these uh, extremists. And the... The, the party is it's it's it has officially gone off the rails a while ago and the train is just heading further and further left. Um, Noah Rothman is an author um, smartly said uh, that it's it's really inconvenient right now for Democrats to remember the lessons that they taught everybody two years ago <laughs> because you look at anything that Democrats have said or done um, in, in the last, last couple of years. You know, and the the positions they were taking, um, and it doesn't line up with where they are now. It, you know, and it's a it's a it's a rolling thing. You know, as you move forward, that you know, in in, in twenty uh, twenty one, the things that they said in twenty nineteen are going to be inconvenient for them. You know, you look at so the you know the point that Noah was trying to make is looking at uh, this resolution that the House passed. You know, that is condemning all hatred. Not specifically anti-Semitic uh, anti, um, hatred. <clears throat> and the comparison here is Black Lives Matter. The, the Democrats told us that uh, the problem with saying all lives matter is that it is diminishing the importance of um, you know, racism against blacks. And now you know, that, that kind of statement uh, is something they have to pretend they didn't say. Because it flies totally in the face of what they're trying to do here with uh, Omar's comments about um, about uh, Israel and about Jews, and and totally calls out the uh, total bullcrap resolution that they tried to pass here. Well, that they did pass um, that they're that they're trying to sell to the American people as an actual um, meaningful act. Look, blacks are 14% of the American electorate. Jews are a little bit less than 2%. And I think that's your difference here. I, I don't think that's ever been a secret. I think everybody has already, always, always known that, you know, that uh, Democrats, by and large, the Democratic politicians, not the voters, but the politicians, they don't care about African-Americans. Um, they, they care about votes. That's what it's always been. And and I, I don't think anybody's really ever been ever on for that. Seventy percent of American Jews vote Democrat. <laughs> what yeah. what will it take? You and I both, JJ, are are devout Christians. Not not only Jews, but Christians like us. What will it take for religious people to stop voting for the Democratic Party? I mean they are a a, a extremely anti not just anti Jewish. I mean they are. The Democratic Party is the party of anti-Semitism. And obviously we've seen, you know, Democratic senators, you know, uh, basically given religious tests to potential Christian judges, which is which is unconstitutional, obviously. Right. What will it take for religious people, Jews, Christians, Muslims, all of us to stop voting for these anti-religious bigots? I mean, th that should happen a long time ago. Um, I don't know but if it we'll, ever will happen. But what because... will it take? After this week, we've we've watched this week. 
okay? We've watched Nancy Pelosi stand up for Ilhan Omar, a radical Muslim who, who, when she was a state legislator in the state of Minnesota, asked federal judges to give leniency to ISIS fighters who voted against a bill banning female genital mutilation. This is who Ilhan Omar is. Okay, she is a radical Muslim, anti-Semite. This is who she is. Nancy Pelosi said, "Oh, well, she doesn't really. I mean, she doesn't really. You know, she comes from a different culture. Like, she doesn't really know what words mean. Like, she doesn't. <laughs> she's, I mean, she doesn't she's know a what words. Thirty-seven-year-old. I mean, she's senator, too. Yeah, she's, she's too. She's too. Yeah, I mean, but JJ, she's too retarded to know what words mean. Which, by the way, like either one, she's a thirty-seven-year-old <laughs> member of Congress that knows what words right. mean, and that's why she's in Congress. Or she's too retarded to be in Congress. You should probably choose between one of those two talking points." But you see the leaders of the Democratic Party standing up for her to, because they're too terrified of, of, of the radical, anti-religious, anti-American voting base of the Democratic Party. If it wasn't enough in the last week, in the last couple weeks, for Jews and Christians to stop voting Democrat, what the fuck is it going to take? I mean, I, I think that there's already some uh, some blowback um well, let me back up here. I think that we can give Trump some credit for this. He's he has certainly um, engaged in the the Richard Nixon tactic of um, you know shifting to some uh, popular moderate positions to force the Democrats because they have to spastically you know react in the extremist manner they possibly can opposite to whatever Trump does. So he's, he's, he's pushed them pretty far to the left. So you got to give him some credit for that. And, um, I, I, I guess I'm not really going to be concerned until we get some numbers in, uh, in 2020 about, you know, our, uh, are the Democratic um, antics actually turning off voters? Because I think they will. I think that uh, I think the presidential election is gonna is gonna taste a lot different than the midterms that we had in 2018. Um, you know, the, the, one of the problems with midterms every year is that only the people who really care um, actually get out and vote. So you really um, midterm always come down to the um, extreme um, sides of, of both parties getting out there and voting because most people don't care about the midterms and the presidential election is a little bit different. So, I mean, I, I, I think that Democratic antics have to be turning off voters. And if they aren't, uh, you know, then I'm going to have some, some some pretty big questions about, you know, the whole philosophy that we have, uh, you know, as Americans of uh, trusting the, um, you know, uh, the, the, the people to be smart enough to, to participate in, in making decisions about, you know, how we run the country. I agree. I, 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 I have a lot of faith in him still. I, I think we got to wait for 2020 and see what happens, because I, I think that uh, I think Democrats are, are shooting themselves in the foot here. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And you and I both have been frustrated with Trump 
um, from time to time, um, you know, on, on some major issues, you know. Right. And 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 look, I, I, I always call out the president, as I would for any president um, on the show, but there isn't a chance on earth right now looking at the Democratic field that I would vote against Trump in 2020. And that, like, I'm not, I'm not speaking for you, JJ. I'm just speaking for myself. I like, I, I'm voting for Trump in 2020. Like, here, here I am, Brady Leonard. I, I endorse President Trump for real life in 2020. <laughs> I don't think I've said that on the show yet, but I'm doing it right now. I will be voting for Trump in 2020. Um, Barring any any changes in the candidate lineup, I, there's nobody else running that I would be okay with. Um, you know, more than him, for sure, right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that that's exactly how I feel, and, and I have to, like like you said, you still have faith in the American electorate. I, I try to hold on to that as well. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I have to believe that people are going to see through some of this nonsense from the Democratic Party. I, I have to believe because, I mean, obviously, look, if, if the mainstream media weren't weren't the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. Trump would win by, I mean, he'd win, you know, 48 states, 47 states, something like that. Obviously, the Republicans don't just run against the Democrats. They run against the Democrats and the media and Hollywood and, you know, ever, everything else. That's true. It's tough for me to envision a circumstance where voting for a Democrat would be justifiable at this point. L- looking at the last couple months, looking at the last couple weeks, I, I, I could not— Personally, as, as a as a moral person, as somebody who values the Constitution, as somebody who is is religious, I could not possibly justify voting for a Democrat right now. I, I couldn't. Well, I, I think that's another reason why Biden is a front runner right now. He's easily one of the most moderate, you know, other than somebody like Hickenlooper. He's easily, you know, and not that he's a moderate guy, but compared to who he's standing next to, he's easily one of the most moderate, least crazy-sounding Democrats. Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't sound as crazy, but his voting record in the Senate and then his record as vice president, um, you know, like, like, look, I mean, it, it's been reported that, you know, Joe Biden tried to convince President Obama not to, to take out Osama bin Laden because he thought he would piss off Muslims. So I, I haven't heard that, but, man, I hope that's not true. It was reported first by Bill O'Reilly on Fox News and then by a bunch of other outlets as well. I believe Politico was one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this guy is not he, he's not a moderate. I mean, he sounds moderate. Like, I mean, it was like we said about Sherrod Brown, how he's he's a leftist, but he sounds moderate. I, I feel the same right. way about Joe Biden, but. It'll be, no, it'll be fun to watch, uh, man. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. Look, we're Biden almost two years out more still, when, so. it, when to shut his mouth, you know, rather right. than, you know, and. And let the other candidates around him keep saying stupid stuff. He at least knows when to shut up. Right. He knows how to at least put on the facade of, of, of centrism, <laughs> I suppose. So it'll be fun to watch, man. I mean, we're going to be doing this for the next uh, almost two years. So. Oh, Lord help us. <laughs> oh, it'll be a lot of fun. We're already way over time, JJ. So where can everybody find you online? Uh, you have one of the most underrated Twitter accounts. So uh, tell everybody uh, where they can find you. Oh, please follow me on Twitter, at mildmoderate. Uh, definitely needs more followers followers uh so y'all can catch my great ideas and uh you know my occasional photoshop skills show up there too 
Well, he's a uh, very good Photoshop. Also, he's not mild or moderate, but definitely follow JJ on Twitter at <laughs> mild moderate. And uh, hey, look, maybe in the next few months we'll have uh, some updates on a, a joint venture we've been working on lately as well. So stay tuned from that. Yeah, excited stay to talk about that. For that, yeah, it'll it'll be fun. We'll we'll, we'll break the news on the podcast at some point. Uh, who knows when that point will be, but uh, it'll it'll happen at some point. Anyway, everybody follow JJ. Uh, follow us on Twitter, as always, at No Gimmicks Pod. I appreciate you guys. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.